0: welcome to the remnant christian centers podcast we hope you are encouraged by this message matthew chapter 5 and i want you to turn with me to verse 13 now please listen to this because I'm going to try to be as quick as possible because of, of the time that I have left to preach to you, because I don't want to be a super long service, but I, I want to honor the word, all right? Get your Bibles, Matthew 5, verse 13. And look at the screens. I want you to see what I'm about to share, especially towards the end, that I believe has to do with baptism. And I, I almost ran around my own house. When I, when I do this study, I'm like, oh, my God, this is powerful. Jesus said now remember this is still the Sermon on the Mount but I'm just I'm, I'm, I'm skipping the last beatitude today because honestly even and I'll get back to it I didn't feel in a day of celebration that I want to talk about persecution right <laughs> and I and I believe and all that that's biblical that will be we'll circle around that in another time but uh, I want to I want to focus on something that is the culture of the kingdom everybody say culture of the kingdom Now, the Sermon on the Mount, before I read this, has to do with the culture of your integrity and character, not how much you do or how big you have things. The Sermon on the Mount is all about revival in your heart and how big your heart is, not how big your ministry is. Hello? This is, this is the constitution of the kingdom. This is character building one-on-one. If I had to have any sermon that is a character builder, is a, Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is a lifestyle of humility, purity, and emptying out. I say all that to, because I want you to see this from the context of that versus what I'm about to read from the context of the world. Because people in here view greatness in two ways. Many of you, if, if, if I could just be honest with you, view greatness by what you accomplish. Many pastors view greatness or their anointing by how many people in the pews. For instance, this will be a good day for pastors because, you know, they feel more anointed for pastors. Because the house is packed. But that does not mean that I'm great. Just because the house is packed does not mean that it's an approval of my character. Come on, somebody. And the reason I say that is because we also cannot derive our, our worth or, or success by how much is in our bank account, by how big our ministries are, and by how big our business is. Are you ready? Now, with that in mind, I want you to see what Jesus calls us to because God calls us to be great. Just We have to have the right motivation and biblical perspective on greatness. Watch this. Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? All the Spanish people are thinking of adobo and, and, and all that. What is that stuff? Sasson? But he didn't say, You're the sassong of the earth. He said, You're the salt of the earth, right? There's a reason why. I'm going to show you at the end. If the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? Everybody say, I'm the salt of the earth. No, no, seriously. Jesus calls you the salt of the earth. What does that mean? I'm going to break that down. It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underneath foot by men. You are the light of the world. Now hold up. In another scripture, he says, I'm the light of the world. But now he says, you're also the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. I'm the light of the world. You're the light of the world. What? You are the light of the world and the salt of the earth. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Look at this. I'm going somewhere. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket but but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Someone say amen. Now, remember the context of which I'm saying the the, the Sermon on the Mount is based on. Greatness is based on seeking the Lord. Greatness in the sight of God is different than greatness in the sight of man. Now, salt and light is an actual invitation to be great. But listen... It's an invitation and definition to be impactful on the earth. Please hear me now. But before we could be impactful on the earth, we have to be impacted. We have to be impacted in our heart and in our mind. That's why he says you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world because that salt and light first have to touch you. You got to be, I know in the world, in the world this is like a taboo phrase, but you got to be a little Salty. Because salty means something totally different in the kingdom, come on somebody, than it is in the world. And I'm gonna give you permission spiritually, God invites you to be salty. Listen, not in the, some of the young people are going, I like, where's he going? No, it's not, it's not what you think. I said that on purpose because God's definition of greatness is different than ours. His ways are higher than our ways, and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. But his invitation to greatness through being a salt and light has to be, listen, transformation in us before this transformation through us. Hello? Salt of the earth means you are first valuing character, purity, integrity before anything else. And here's the good news. Here's the good news. What is the definition of greatness in God's eyes? Look at this first slide. This is so powerful, guys. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break this down to you, and you're going to shout at the and I promise you. It's a little long. Look at this. It's not a bad thing to desire greatness and impact because the Lord is the one who put that desire in us. Do you know that? Do you know that, that the fact that you desire greatness, even if, even if it's wrong, before you read the whole thing, keep that slide up, even if it's wrong, In your motive. Do you know that it's the Lord that put that desire initially in you to be great? But the problem is that our desire gets thwarted by the the need to, to have fame. Or the need to be important in other people's eyes. So we strive so hard to be successful in other things. And here's what happens. We transcend a thin line from seeking success to now that being our identity. And now that identity, if it's falsely put... In the wrong place, you know what will happen? It will lead to burnout and discouragement because you're, because listen, it is impossible to sustain our definition of success and greatness without the Sermon on the Mount lifestyle. Because could you imagine me as a pastor deeming myself great by how many? pews or chairs are filled i will be a roller coaster every week i'll be happy one week depressed for five weeks in a row then happy for one week and then my greatness is not determined by how many people are in this room or the size of my ministry are you ready look at this but we need to make sure that our motives and our definition of greatness are aligned with scripture and the purposes of god for our life come on say amen say amen so what why do i say this and I'm, i'm i'm we're going to get something here because I got, I have some uh, scriptures that I want to share with, it, with you. I, I, I remember what uh, Tito, uh, I love Tito, he gave me permission to, to read this. He, uh, th- how many people have been, um, i trying to say this without, you've been uh, burned out or hurt by a false definition that the church has given you in the past of what it is to be great. How many people have been prophesied, young people that have very little character at that time, you're going to change the world? And now in their mind, if they don't change the world, they're a failure. Oh, I'm going to preach now. That means that, now that sounds almost like, don't say that. No, no, no. There's so much pressure on a young person whose character has not been developed yet that says, you are going to change the world. Got quiet up in here. Because now if they don't do that, their definition of greatness is hinged on that versus how big their heart and mature their heart is towards God. And I love what Tito said. He, he, put, uh, he gave me permission to say that he wrote something that I'm so proud of Tito. I've known him for years and I've seen him grow on Facebook. He said something the other day that I'm going to read to you, okay? He said, the troubling danger of charismatic prophetic movement that I have seen is that it will produce a mass group of entitled believers who operate their life, families, and others as God's last and only hope. The abundance of the quote-unquote world-changer prophecies casually thrown at any teenager, young adult, will bound, is bound to fluff their ego to places their character cannot sustain them. That's my spiritual son right there. Now, I love what he said next. Listen to this. This is an intro of what I'm about to say about salt and, earth, uh, salt and light. Watch this. We need more teaching on biblical lifestyle of character lived and revival culture within the nine to five. Stay at home parent and even just serving your local church. Being a salt and a light first starts with your family. Being a salt and a life first starts with your local church. Why are you abandoning your local church? Because you're trying to be great out there. Be great in here first. Be great in your family first. Be great in your marriage first. Come on. Be great with your kids first. The invitation to be salt and light has to strike us first. In the nine to five, in the local church. Listen to me. This is a true definition of greatness, and it's attached. Listen to me. True definition of greatness is attached. Zoom in on me to seeking the Lord first. An example of this. Listen, listen. How many of us, we start off good, right? And then we we become a little successful in our business, a little successful in our ministries. And you know what? We forget what even got us there. And, you know, it happened to this one man named King Uzziah. You remember when Isaiah said, I I was there uh, on the day that King Uzziah died. I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Listen, King Uzziah, the Bible says he actually served the Lord well. But do you know that you could start off well and then have a twisted definition of greatness and that you will become prideful along the way? And it's not how you start. It's how you finish. Listen to this. Second Chronicles, look at this. This is good stuff. I'm preaching better than you're saying amen. Actually, you pre- you're saying amen pretty good today, so I, I take that back. Yeah. You're, 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 you're flowing with me. Yeah. Second Chronicles 26, look at verse 5. Oh, I love this. This is about King Uzziah. Listen to me, guys. Remember, salt and light. Everybody say this with me. Salt and light, salt and light equals, greatness equals greatness the Lord's way. The Lord's way. Watch this. Uzziah, he's a king. He sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God, and as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. Let me say that again. As long, it was almost like a hint, 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 hint. Something's about to happen. I see something in his, in, his, in his lifestyle, in his heart, that if he doesn't heal, if he doesn't correct He's going to start off good, and I'm going to make him great. I'm going to make him a salt and light, in a sense. But it's for my glory it's to transform his character and to transform others. Watch this. As long as he sought the Lord, everybody say this with me, God made him prosper. Now watch verse 15. Now, before you read it, a little recap, So because I'm trying to save time. It goes on to list everything almost that he did and he did this and he killed this enemy and he constructed this weaponry him he was brilliant he constructed this and he did that and he cut off the idols all these verses 10 verses are talking about all the stuff that King Uzziah did that was great watch this please zoom in on me but did not pay attention to the character flaws of pride along the way and once you taste the little success and taste the little bit of authority and influence god sometimes has to send something to keep you humble because if not you'll destroy everything that god is trying to do in your life look at verse 15 and he made devices look at this, in Jeru- Jerusalem invented by skillful men to be on towers and uh, uh, to the corners to shoot arrows large stones so his fame spread far and wide watch this for he was marvelously helped until he became strong now you know what that word strong means pride because if you look at the next verse which i won't the bible says that he lost sight of the whole definition of being great is to stay humble is to have character that is a man or woman of god a true sign of salt and light on the earth are people who are godly in their character and are godly in their homes. They carry an authority on them, not just a gifting. There's a difference between a gifting and anointing, and you could tell. There could be people that they could shout and they could speak and they could quote scriptures, but there's no anointing. But let me tell you something. This The Bible says that Uzziah became so strong in his own sight that he lost that principle of what I'm trying to say with salt and light becoming first in your life. And the Bible says that he went into the temple to burn incense that the priest only had authority to do. And watch this. He allowed his title to get in the way of his character. Oh, boy, that could preach. That's what I love about this journey weekend, that you guys didn't allow, some of you leaders didn't allow your title to get in the way of character building and freedom. Come on, in your heart. It takes humility to know that people know who you are and still pursue vulnerability. And he came in and he was thrust out he had leper, leprosy on his head. This king had leprosy because he crossed the line. Come on, say Amen. So God wants us to be great, but he wants us to be great as salt and light on his terms. Before we are salt and light to the earth, please hear me now. We have to be salt and light to our own walk with God and in our families and in our local church. Because remember the prophecy that the angel gave Zechariah. Now that's another Zechariah, the New Testament Zechariah, right? And he's the angel. How, how many have you, How many parents are in this room? How many parents are in this room? Has an angel ever appeared to you and prophesied over your baby? An angel stood, stood and just said every detail. No, right? Well, an angel came to Zacharias and prophesied. And he said, hey, listen, I'm going to tell you all the things that you're going to have. You're going to have a son, and his name is going to be John, right? And he says all these things are going to happen. Now watch this. But it's going to be marked by one thing. One thing really is there's a lot of characteristics that he's going to walk in. He's going to turn to people from Israel and all that. But before he even says all the characteristics, you know what he said? And he will be great in the sight of the Lord. In the sight of the Lord. My friends, I want to be great in the sight of the Lord, not in the sight of church, not in the sight of people. not in the sight. At the end of the day, Lord, let the meditation of my heart and the words of my mouth be pleasing in your sight. David, when he sinned "Against you and you alone have I sinned," I want to be pleasing in God's sight. So why why am I saying this? Because it saw in light is an invitation. Please, 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 please listen to this: to be great in the sight of the Lord, without taking credit, but at the same time being impactful to others, because you can't have impact to others if you're not being impacted yourself can I hear an amen this is this is the the whosoever that that Jesus is saying he said Jesus invites I'm going to quote this whosoever or everyone to be great in the kingdom now watch this this is great this is a quote that I that I, I read years ago we should not repent of the desire for greatness and impact as being salt and light because it is the Lord who designed, designed our spirit for this longing. Do you hear that? Do you hear that? Some of you are frustrated because you're realizing your greatness is misplaced. You're frustrated because you're just like, I'm not doing anything. I don't have this thing. Well, what is the definition of greatness? I believe we're going to be shocked when God hands out rewards in the judgment seat of Christ. The people that are stay-at-home moms and humble themselves and and put away their their desires and were obedient to raise these children while other people did that, they're going to have some of the greatest rewards. Watch this. We only repent for seeking greatness in a wrongful or selfish way. Come on, say amen. Look at this next slide. Put it up there. This is powerful. Look at this next slide. God invites us, you're going to love this, to, but, sorry, God invites us to greatness by being the salt and light of the world. The Lord invites us to greatness without regard to our outward achievements or the size of our ministry. This is the Sermon on the Mount. True greatness is based on the development and maturity of our heart in our walk with Jesus. Can I just be honest with you? This is so liberating. When we filter greatness or accomplishment through the lens of character and being great in the sight of God, everything, there's no striving. Can I just give you a real example? Today, I was just noticing, I was like, uh, uh, the, again, the mindset. It's a mindset that has to change. So I'm sitting there, and we're worshiping, and I notice we only have three people. Three, you know, We have this, uh, we have Joanne, we have Jody, and then one, one player, and then a, a great drummer. Come on. And for a split second, this is how God has changed me. For a split second, I'm like, man, we don't got, and then I stop. Because a sign of, a sign of success is not how many people are filling the platform so we can have a full sound. That was a full sound with four people. That is success. Here's success. Here is success. We showed up. We worshiped. God showed up. It's a, it's a mind change. I said, like, oh, this is great. I still feel the Holy Spirit here. Salt and light is an invitation for character building. is an, an invitation for greatness and impact. But we must be free of our definition of success or you'll be a slave to that all of your life. Seeking something that you'll never achieve because you will never have enough money in your bank account. You will never have enough people in your church. You will never have enough things in your business. Never. Once you achieve that, then what? This is success to do the will of God. I have food, Jesus said. Are you hungry? Yeah, I'm, 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 I, you haven't eaten in a day. I have food which you don't know of. The disciples, like, did. Someone give me a peanut butter jelly sandwich while we were gone. You know what he says? My food is to do the work and the will of my father. That's his success. His success was like, I got food. No, you ain't. I haven't seen you eat. I did the work of the Lord. That's my food. In other words, God is pleased with me. People may not be pleased with you, but as long as God is. Don't make me preach this morning. Mm -hmm. Where's my organ player? (laughs) Yeah. He said, <laughs> he said, you are the salt of the earth. Listen, the light of the world. Do you understand how significant you are? If Jesus says you are the salt of the earth. Here's my question. Have you lost your flavor? Because salt and light are supposed to do something. And I'm going to give you attributes of light. And then, oh, I'm going to shout because I'm going to give you some attributes of salt, how it relates to us spiritually. Because I love, you know, and, I, and this is going to sound funny, right? But I'm not trying to be funny, even though it's funny. God could have picked any word. He could have said, you're the sugar of the earth. <laughs> I'm glad he didn't because everybody said, what's up, sugar? You know, like, I, no, 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 you're not sugar, right? He could have said, you're the adobo of the earth. He could have said, you're the moho of the church. Is that is that a, is that a? Mojito, whatever. He said, you're the salt. Now, here's what I find about God. Every time he says something, he didn't just say, he just didn't say this. Look, look, guys, God. he's the creator of the world. He didn't say, mm, what should I throw in there? Let's just say salt. Why, why, did he, why did he say, and they shall mount up with wings as eagles? Why did he say, they shall mount up with, with wings as hummingbirds? Hummingbirds have some more uh, real powerful wings. But he didn't say that. You know why? Because everything he describes is for a purpose. So that means we have to study what he describes so we can get a better understanding of what he's trying to say. So if he's saying you're the salt of the earth, I need to start studying what some of the attributes of salt are and what some of the attributes of light is. Here's what happens when you are enlightened and you are filled with the light of God. Here's the attribute of light. Are you ready? One of the attributes of light. You can take a picture of it. I'll be real quick with this because I really want to spend some time on the salt one, all right? Now watch this. Look at the first one. The first attribute of light is this, is that you give light and direction. Light gives direction. Not only for others, but for you. Look at what Psalms 19 says. Look at this. I love this, what David says about light, about light. It gives direction. Come on, if you're lost, there's someone that has light that was going to point you in the right way. If you know someone that's lost, listen, stop being silent. A light in a dark place will open up the room and give them direction. Look at this, look at this. Your word, come on, somebody, is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. When you are the light of the world, you are setting the people in the direction of the pathway to God. When was the last time you pointed people to Jesus? Woo. Come on, church. Come on. Come on. You're a light to my path. In other words, there's direction that is given to you and through you when you operate in this type of reality and you yield to this reality. Allow yourself, i mean, old school for a second, allow yourself to be used by God. I know, some, you know all these new revelations of people, God oh, doesn't use you. Well, yes, he does. He doesn't use us in the term that you and the world thinks that we are used, like being used in a malicious way. Guys, stop being so over spiritual. God uses people. And there's nothing wrong to say, God, use me in the right context. Listen, it's an overflow. If you have been filled with light, you want to give light. If you've been filled with the Spirit of God, you want to give the Spirit of God. And this is what God is looking for. He it, it, he doesn't, he can't, he can't be light if you don't be filled with light. It gives direction. Number two, I love this. I'll give this up. Second attribute of light. That's why he calls us a light, right? The second attribute of light is that it, watch this, it illuminates and reveals. Look at me. It illuminates and reveals. What does that mean? What does that mean? The Bible says that in Corinthians that the law of the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Do you know that you have an ability as being salt and light of the earth to watch this? This is so key. To reveal and illuminate scriptures to others who are in darkness. God has entrusted you and I who are saved to reveal the way and point them to Jesus. That's light brings direction. Light reveals and bring revelation. By the way, the light of the Holy Spirit brings revelation to the word of God. Hello? Because a historian can read the same verse as you, and you don't have the same definition as that historian. Why? Because the Spirit of God gives revelation. Oh, the Spirit of God, the Word of God is alive as a two edged sword. Amen, sister. Real quick, number three, because I want to harp on salt, right? Look at the third attribute of light it overcomes darkness. Do you understand that no bondage, no darkness should be able to stay where there is light? Come on, church. I'm getting a few amens. Why? Because some of us, if we are the light of the world, watch this, there should be no purposeful darkness living in us. And if there is, it will start quenching the light. But if we turn all of these lights off, And I had a candle or a light on. Everyone will be glued to me because slowly that light will overcome the darkness. But the more lights that flicker on, where did the darkness go? Where did it go? It just got overcame by light. Light overcomes darkness. And let me tell you something. If you are the light of the world, I'm going to challenge you to seek the Lord and ask the Lord what areas of darkness still remain that are starting to quench the light of God. What doors have I opened that are opening the doors from the light of God? Every time uh, I, I see deliverance, I remember years ago I was in, at, at my youth group, and uh, I'm not going to say the name, but I remember the name spe- very specifically. I was fasting, I was praying. And uh, they had just come out of uh, an encounter, which is something like this. And they are in my youth group. I'm not talking about church, In my youth group. And I st- re- st- went by somebody and I, in my own youth group, and I started praying. And they had their eyes closed. I'll never forget this. No, no. I go, look at me. No, no. And this person was struggling because they had the demonic spirit that God was setting them free. I said, look at me. And, and the demon inside of them said, no, there's too much light in your eyes. I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that to, to, to look at me. I'm saying that we have the authority over demonic spirit and darkness if we walk in the light. As Jesus was the light, the Bible says, let us also walk in the light. But it's intentional. You're not the light of the world if you're opening up yourself to demons. it will be quenched. But there's hope. Come on, say amen. Now watch this. This is the good part. Everybody say this is a good part. Say it's already been good. It's going to be real good. Now everybody say salt. Say I'm salty. All the young people. All the older people are like, what's wrong with that? The young people are like. I'm going to tell you why. Are you ready? Mark chapter 9, verse 49 through 50. Are you ready? Oh, come on. We're going to get somewhere. We're going to. We're going to get somewhere. Trust me. Mark chapter 9. Look at with me. In the NLT, verse 49 through 50. Oh, man, I read this years ago, and I about slapped myself. For for everyone, listen to me, listen to me, will be tested with fire. Are you ready for this next verse? Look at this next verse. Salt, everybody say salt, is good for seasoning. Robo show. (laughs) But if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? Now watch this. This is what, this is what hit me. We must have the qualities woo, of salt among yourselves and live in peace with each other. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. He first says you're the salt of the earth. Then he goes, you got to have the qualities of salt. You got to have the qualities of salt in you. So then what are the qualities of salt in the natural that will translate into the spiritual? Are you ready? Are you ready? What are the qualities of salt in the physical? Remember, physical first and spiritual is an analogy. All right? So watch this. The first quality of salt. Now, you, I want you, this is, this is in the natural, but I want you to see in the spiritual. Salt adds flavor to everything. See, you're not saying amen because you don't know where I'm going. Our job as Christians is to flavor the earth with the love of God, with the power of God, with the mercy of God, so that God could be more attractable and enjoyable than what other people have made him out to be. Because some people in the name of Jesus are trying to portray a God that is mean all the time, that has a belt and ready to whip us, and they don't want anything to do with God. But the salt, uh, the quality of salt means if you add salt on food, come on, it could be a tire. You add some salt in there, you'll be like... I don't know, it takes a little while, but that, that's some good stuff in there. You mix it with some other things. There are some things that when, if you don't add salt to, I don't know some people that don't like salt. That's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is by nature, salt adds flavor to something that otherwise is undesirable. In other words, the salt of the earth makes God more flavorful. Because when they taste of your peace, they'll be like, mm, I never had that before. You come in at work, and you're beaming with joy, and it's not the joy of the world because the joy, the joy I had, the world didn't give it, nor the world can't take it away. It's a different joy. It's not like, hi, how you doing? And there's no Holy Spirit. There's a difference between, hi, how you doing, to, hi, how you doing? And all of a sudden, they're like, That tastes good. Watch this. I want some of that. You're the salt of the earth, the qualities. If you have the qualities of salt, that means you're making Jesus, the Lord, the gospel, a little bit more desirable for people because they see your life. Come on. You ready for the second one? I'm almost almost done. I'm proud of myself. The second quality of salt that you guys have in the natural and the spiritual. Salt restrains corruption. Salt restrains corruption. Everybody say this with me. Salt restrains corruption. Look at me now. In the old days before refrigeration, does anybody know how they would transfer meat and have meat stay uncontaminated for three days as they went to a ship to be to be shipped the goods, the meat, to be shipped from one place to another. Where sometimes it would take three days. They didn't have refrigeration. You know what they do? They would release a whole bunch of salt in it. Because the salt would slow down. Come on, I'm preaching good. The corruption process. When you are the salt of the earth, you are being entrusted by God to take away and slow down the corruption process in people's life so that the light of the gospel, come on, could preach in there, could penetrate in there. You're slowing it down just enough so that the mercy of God could come in and intervene. But he needs people. When's the last time you heard of someone that got saved by an angel? Hello? Jehovah's Witness again. No, it's Gabriel, angel. Hey, how you doing? I stand at the foot of Jesus here. I stand at the throne. I come to deliver the good news to you. No. He needs people that are filled with light and salt. Come on, man. Come on. Being the salt of the earth slows down the spiritual corruption process so that people could eat and taste and see that the Lord is good. Come on, say taste. Taste. Come on, say taste. Taste Taste and see that the Lord is good. No one who's truly tasted of the Lord and gone back to the world is truly happy. I don't care what they say. They can say, I'm happier now. If you truly taste, I'm I'm talking about truly had an experience with the Lord. Nothing compares to that. Come on, facts. Where's where's my... Hallelujah. Now watch this. Look at number three. I want, I want the worship team to come up here. Look at number three. Now this is good. Salt makes people thirsty. Woo! Hello? Hey, we're talking about the qualities of salt this morning. Right? Now I didn't say that. Jesus said you must be, you must be filled with the qualities. Everybody say qualities. So, so number one, it, it, it flavors something. Number two, it, it um. It, uh, it restrains corruption, but number three: salt makes people thirsty. Have you ever eaten or drinking a lot of salt or salty foods? What is the byproduct immediately after you have eaten a lot of salty food? You want to drink of water. Watch this, watch this. I heard of a story years ago of an indigenous tribe that was in somewhere in some sort of jungle. Listen to me, true story, and this jungle they were needing water. so what they did they captured a monkey and they, get, they and they tied him up and they fed him salt cubes because the salt cubes they knew that was going to make this animal hungry and thirsty, especially thirsty. so salt they're like, let's tie him up, and he was going crazy. The story goes that after a while, they fed him salt cubes, watch this, watch this, because they wanted to have know where the water is. So they unloosed the the, the animal and went right past him and went and they followed him through this, this, this unlikely place in the jungle. And they began to dig because the animals knew if they dig at a certain place, there's water there. And all of a sudden, when they dug, water started coming up and it led the tribe to water so that they won't be thirsty and die. My question to you is, are you making people thirsty for God? My question to you: By your lifestyle, sir. By your lifestyle, daughter. By your lifestyle, ma'am. By your confession. By your character. Are you making people thirsty? Are are, are you are you leading them to living waters? Are you are you are you living? Not perfect, but are you living in such a way? That the presence of God and the light of God and the qualities of salt are on you that is making people thirsty for what you have? Or are we always down? Are we always looking down? Are we always battling? I'm not saying to be perfect. What I am saying is that one of the qualities of salt is to make other people thirsty. But here, I want to give you a freebie here. This is just, this is not in my notes. I want you to start getting that spiritual salt cube. Drink that word. Eat that word. Cause something to make you th- make you thirsty. And can I be honest with you? Sometimes the Lord allows trials and afflictions to make us thirst after God. You know what David said in Psalm 63? He said, My soul thirsts for you as in a dry desert. I'd search for water. Come on. Listen to me before I go to the fourth point. Sometimes, everybody say sometimes. God will cause a dryness. And an emptiness. So you could go search for the oasis. What good is it if, what good is it, what good is it if you feel that you are full already, you won't you won't hunger for that oasis. But sometimes God allows it so you could keep coming back. Now watch this, guys. Watch this. When you are filled with the living waters of the Lord, here's 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 what Jesus says, not what Pastor George says. It will overflow out of you. Out of watch this, out of your belly shall overflow. Listen, not streams, not ponds rivers of living waters that should be how every Christian should be living living waters living waters healing waters come on say amen salt makes everybody say salt makes me thirsty say salt makes people thirsty now the last three last three I'm just going to shout by myself you better help me now Are you ready for this? We just came from a journey weekend. You know what the fourth quality of salt does if you look it up? Go ahead. Salt heals wounds. I read this, salt, quote, saline, sterile salt is commonly used in wound care as it creates conditions that make it difficult for bacteria to grow. Therefore, preventing wound infection. A quality of salt will bring healing in people's lives. It will bring healing in your life. You know what you guys did in the Journey Weekend? You got salty. You got healed for one purpose. So that you could bring healing to others. Woo! And you say, how? All you got to do is simply share what God did in your life. You don't gotta break down. Listen, you know what I love about the test about testimonies? Baby Christians and people that have been serving the Lord for fifty years use the same weapon, and it's very simple: is the word of your testimony that God, how God healed you, and, and listen, you know why? Because in a testimony, you don't have to study the Greek or the Hebrew or the Ar- 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 Aramaic. You just gotta say. This is what I was bound in. This is what I needed healing from. And one day I applied truth to my life. And I got healed from unforgiveness. I got healed from shame. Come on. I got healed from loneliness. I got healed from depression. I got healed from mental disorders. And if God could do it for me, my friend, He could do it for you. If you're the salt of the earth, You will bring healing to spiritual, emotional wounds. Wounds get healed when we become salty again. The church needs to be healed because there is a broken world out there. The government is not the answer, the church is the answer. The church of the living God is the answer. But how can we be doctors in a hospital if we're the patients always in the hospital? Let healing arise. Arise and be healed. Salt heals wounds. Listen, and it rubs bacteria the wrong way listen, as salt of the earth true Christianity should rub spiritual bacteria out of the way true Christianity rubs spiritual bacteria and drives it out true salt true salt is at war with bacteria oh God heals wounds it heals wounds can I just be honest but it stings when you apply it. Have you ever had a cut and put salt in the wound? They do it on purpose. Some of the old grandma used to do it. You know, before we had all this stuff, they had the green—they had the green aloe leaf <laughs> that healed everything. Then they put salt in wounds. Why? Why would a loving person put salt in a wound that they know is going to sting? Because it's a temporary sting that will produce the bacteria to be driven out of that thing. Sometimes a salty preacher like me and the word of God will come and sting a little bit. But I promise you, if you just stay to the end, if you listen with an open heart, that sting will produce a healing in your heart because it will confront you and convict you and say, i got to do something about this lifestyle. I need to turn. I need to forgive. I need to reconcile. I need to come back to the Lord. David said, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now, after I got afflicted, I keep your word. David said, your, your, your staff, And your rod comfort me. Do you know what a staff was? That was the gentle part. That was for the sheep that were just kind of mildly going to say, Come on, Papi, come here. Come come here. There you go. But the one's going, I ain't going over there, I'm gonna go over here. In the shepherd's love, he'll get that rod. He'd be like, Bah be like, "Ah, ah, ah, ah." put me on my shoulder. Come back to the flock of God. Come back to the house of God. Come back to the church. Come back to the Lord. Come back to living right. Come back to Jesus. In his love, he allowed you to feel the sting so that he could heal your wounds. Woo! Thank you, Holy Spirit. That's why there's a lot of affliction sometimes. That's why there's a little sting at times. You, th- you should thank God that you're part of a church that makes you feel the sting every now and then. If you come from an entitled background, you're going to hop from church to church to church because no one could ever correct you because you're always the right one. You're always, the, you're always looking at how the church should be run and you never realize that God is trying to humble you through this whole process. If all you do is pinpoint all the things that are happening in the church, I guarantee you you won't stay in that church for long. Lord speak to them. Two more, and then we're going to baptize people, but the last one, the last one is going to be real good. Are you getting something this morning? I could tell cuz you're standing. Now, the last two. You know what do you know what the fifth thing that salt does? Are you ready to shout? salt wakes people up. I said salt wakes people up that are unconscious. Oh, glory to God. I'm trying to tell you something that when a football player gets knocked out unconscious or a boxer gets knocked out unconscious, what do they do to wake him up? They get smelling salt and they begin to break it, and all of a sudden they become revived. I'm here to tell you that the Spirit of God is gonna revive dead people in this season, dead things in this season. He's about to revive things that have become dormant and dead. Because he's about to put some smelling salt in the spirit to your walk with God. Yes! Come on, God, give a shout of praise to the Lord. Give a praise break. Come on, give a praise break to the Lord. Thank you for tuning in. For more information about us, please visit RemnantChristianCenter.com.